We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. It is the Thursday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. You're watching us now on YouTube and Twitter. If you are, please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. We are presented by our partners over at Bet Rivers, and we are also being broadcast on Sirius XM Channel 80 for the ESPNU station. I am joined by my lovely, lovely co-host tonight, uh, my partner in crime over on the DTF podcast, Terrence Oglesby, former Clemson guard and pit legend. Yes, I am calling him a legend, the one and only Ashton Gibbs. There's a lot of shooters on this broadcast right now. We have plenty to get to. Uh, we are going to be reacting to this UConn Butler game live. We have to talk about what happened with Penny Hardaway and Memphis and his press conference. It is a mess down there. We have Jim Laranega joining us. We have Rob Finnessy joining us. We are going to be talking about Shane and Sharp. Uh, but first... And foremost, we have to talk about what happened in Assembly Hall this evening. Indiana takes down number four, Purdue 68-65 on a game-winning three from Rob Finnessy in a game that they kind of controlled uh, for most of it. So, T.O., I'm going to you first on this one, man. What a game. What a basketball game. Unbelievably competitive. And I've been to Assembly Hall to watch them play Michigan, I want to say four or five years ago when Crean was still the coach. Feels like eons ago. But what an environment there in Bloomington. I mean, incredible, really. And when that place is rocking, it, it has an effect. And it had an effect on Purdue today. I think Travion Williams had a hard time holding on to the ball in the first half. Jay Nivey, that foul in the first half that gave him his second where he pushed off, I mean, that had major implications on the game. So the environment, the energy, the rivalry, first one since Yogi Ferrell, right? 2013, that they've won against Purdue, not at home, not away, like against Purdue, period. And that is a big-time win for Coach Mike Woodson. And, guys, you, you want to know why you pay me the big bucks? I'm going to tell you why you pay me the big bucks, and it's this stat right here. When Woodson wears a suit, Indiana's 13-0. and 0. When he wears a jumper, they're 1-4. And I think that's significant. Bring suits back to Bloomington. Bring suits back to Bloomington full-time. Indiana's a Final Four team if Mike Woodson's wearing a red tie. <laughs> to, to put this into perspective, uh, T.O. has been telling us for an hour that he has an unbelievable stat about <laughs> this game, and that was pretty good. Ashton, what are your takeaways, man? That's an impressive win, a statement win from the Hoosiers. And I think we lost Ashton. He is frozen over there. So, T.O., I'm going back to you. That was an impressive win. 
uh, man, the Ralph Finney show, uh, especially in the first half. Go ahead, Terrence. Yeah, it turned into the Rob Fennessy show. I'm just going to allude to what uh, Ashton was talking about. I mean, Rob Fennessy was terrific. This is a guy who came in averaging four points a game. And he's been through a lot of trials and tribulations during his time in Bloomington, and he's really struggled to get going. But today, I think he hit his first five shots, if, if my memory serves me correctly, and he did it in a variety of ways, taking it to the basket, using his quickness. IU fans, they've been hard on him. And I, I'm not sure it's deserved. But he stepped up in a major way off the bench, and he was rewarded in the second half. And the thing that was unique, too, you could tell he was a senior. In the first half, Fennessey, he was really aggressive to score. You could tell in the second half they were geared to stop him. He didn't force the issue. He didn't take a shot until his game-winning, his first game-winning attempt. Took two shots in the second half, one of two, the biggest of which in the game was that corner three off a of baseline out of bounds, which – I mean, what a draw up. He comes off, sets his feet, shoots it right over the top. That was a big time shot in a big time game. And I, you, you got to be happy for Coach Woodson. Uh, a lot of people doubted that hire. A lot of people doubted that hire. They're doing a pretty daggum good job so far uh, there in Bloomington. Yeah, and I, I think the best sign is that it's, it's guys that are kind of coming in, right? It's not necessarily what was still on that roster and you have an NBA coach coming in and, and kind of coaching them up. Trace Jackson Davis didn't play. Played 11 minutes tonight, right? Yep. Like he was in foul trouble the whole game. Uh, Rob Finnessy, who we're going to hear from here uh, in about five minutes, um, told us that he was banged up anyways. He wasn't even healthy. Uh, this was Xavier Johnson coming in and giving them um, 18 points. Uh, this was um, guys like Miller Cop making plays. This was guys like Michael Durer, who, uh, who came in off the bench to replace uh, Trace Jackson Davis and do a great job. And, and not, not a good job, a great job on Purdue's massive front line. Normally what you see is someone like a Zach Eady and someone like a Trevion Williams just wearing out uh, opposing five. And Trevion Williams was one for four from the floor. He, he was credited with four turnovers. I swear he had at least 11 in the first three minutes that he was on the floor in this game. He just couldn't pass the ball to, to somebody that was wearing black tonight. So um, I'm going to go to you, Ashton, here. What, what is, to me, the concern here is if you're going to allow Rob Fendesey and um and xavier johnson to look like they are the best backcourt in the country like we might have some reason to be concerned about uh produce perimeter defense i think so it was a lot of straight line drives uh I, they couldn't keep guys in front of them and i think uh especially with xavier johnson I, he, he's a proven guard for the most part you know i'm a pit guy so he uh he, he let us down a little bit leaving but Overall, like I, I think very highly of him just as a player. You know, me and T.O. were just talking about his approach to the game, his mindset, I think, is what separates him. And um, that's what he did. It was a big game today uh, against the top five team in the country. And he and he proved himself. Uh, also spoke uh, volumes about Rob Fennessy in the scheme of things. Um, just just playing really, really well with an aggressive mindset, especially in that first half when Trace Jackson Davis uh, went went out with foul trouble for the most part. With him just looking at the basket, looking to score, uh, Indiana that's that that's been their issue. I think throughout the whole season is uh, perimeter guard play, and uh, both of those guys really proved themselves today. To how hard is it to to have guys kind of step up in those roles? How hard is it to win a game like this when you don't have your All American playing? I, I was the most worried in the first half because somebody hit me up. They were like, hey, how's 
Indiana keeping up Trace Jackson Davis, I was like, well, I'm not sure this is sustainable. One thing that you do know about Indiana, that Indiana is that Trace Jackson Davis is going to show up. And to have that extra boost from other guys in a rivalry game, obviously that plays a big factor. But I think another thing, too, that being a rivalry game, kind of referring back to we were talking about what's wrong with Purdue. Are they guarding? Are they doing this? Whenever Jaden Ivey went out of the game, they lost rim pressure on the offensive side of the ball because he was the one guy that could get downhill. The rest of Purdue, they have some guys that can kind of do it, but nobody that can put massive pressure on the rim. Whenever he had his second foul, that little shove on the baseline, Purdue, or Indiana rather, Indiana went on a 16-2 to run right away because his ability to control the ball and control the tempo on offense changed the game for them. Whenever he played, they were significantly better. This is a learning game for Purdue. I'm not losing faith in Purdue, and I don't think any other anybody else should. But Jaden Ivey's still young. He's a young sophomore. I think this is something he's going to look back on and be better because of, especially you know losing his temper and only getting a flagrant. I think it was a flagrant one, right? I, this is a significant game in his development as being that go-to guy for Purdue. I wish they had another camera angle on that one because I th- there's no way that he's reacting like that if uh, if Trey Calloway is not doing something. Like there had to have been something, maybe gave him like a little, uh, you know, a purple nurple or something like that. There, there was something going on that, that that caused him to react. You don't just shove somebody out of nowhere. I get that hey, you're frustrated. Yeah, but what's what's the quote from Blue Chips? Penny Hardaway's mama. We're going to talk about Penny later. Penny Hardaway's mama. It's not a foul if the ref doesn't blow the whistle. Can't act yeah. like that. And yeah. the, your boy, your, your guy from Michigan did that to me. I got kicked out of a game because I reacted, but nobody <laughs> saw the first one. Nobody saw the first one. So there you go. I mean, you got to you got to maintain your composure, especially when you're as talented as Jaden Ivey. I think that goes without saying. Yeah, 100 percent. What I do want to ask you guys is this. You both played at the highest level. Assembly Hall was rocking tonight. The, the best thing I've said this over and over again, the best thing about college basketball, it's never going to be the quality play on the court. Right. College basketball is never going to be bigger than football. It's never going to be bigger than the NBA or better than the NBA because the players just aren't as good. But what it makes up for is the atmosphere, the environment. And, and that environment at Assembly Hall tonight was unlike anything uh, I, we've probably seen in a long, long time, since at least March of, of 2020. Storm, I mean, yeah, four, two guys years. going nuts. Yes, yeah, it, it was. So, Ashton, what, what, when a crowd is going like that, what kind of impact does it have, not just on the players, but on the way that officials uh, handle the game? It depends on team to team, Rob. Sorry to interrupt Ashton. I think but it affects it, everything. And just um go ahead, Tio. It depends. It depends on team to team. Obviously, older guys, we looked at different situations throughout the country. I mean, Miami goes up to Duke and wins because they have older guards. I think that's become uh readily apparent. And I think the talent is so much the talent pool is so much bigger this year. I think certain teams are going to be able to handle it. But obviously today, you know, Purdue has some older guys, sure. But some of the guys, like, it's it's loud. And and we found last season how much the game missed the – what's the right word? The atmosphere. Uh, it, the college basketball is so much more than the game. And it's not just the players that are affected. The referees are affected too. And I think that's plain to see, especially in an environment like that. I mean, I've been in some loud arenas. Played at Carolina, went into double OT. That was loud. Played at home. We beat Duke by 30. That was incredibly loud. Like, it affects things. And people are human. It's it's as simple as that. Referees are human. Coaches are human. Players are human. Everybody in there, there's going to be some uh, ruckus things happening. And it only makes the game better. You're absolutely right. 
Well, if you want to talk about great crowds, great student atmospheres, you want to talk about something special. How about this? Rob Finnessy hits the game-winning shot. He gets the court stormed on him. He gets carried off the floor by the fans. That moment meant a lot to him. We were joined by Rob a little bit earlier tonight, so we're going to cut to that interview right now. Let me welcome to the field of 68 after dark, the man of the hour. It's Rob Finnessy, fresh off of a game-winning three to beat his rival, to beat number four Purdue, to set off a court storming. How are you feeling, man? I feel great. I mean, words can't really explain how I feel right now. Um, I mean, it's really up to uh, my teammates. They play great. Um, yeah, it's, I'm just really overwhelmed right now. I mean, I, words can't really put it in perspective how I feel right now. So, yeah. Rob, man, you you started off slow um, for this season, but tonight you caught fire, man. You look really good, especially in the first half. What allowed you to really to to really do that, especially in the first half when you know you were really looking for your shot? Yeah, um, honestly, I had a I had a talk with Coach Woodson earlier before our shoot around today, and um, I mean, he just told me that he's in my corner. And he really believes in me, so he just wanted me to go out there and play free. So I know when I when I went in, I'm going to be really aggressive and. Uh, yeah, I really just played my heart out, out there, and um, I just really wanted to beat Purdue. I mean, I was 0-6 against him, and we finally got a win. I, I tell you what, you said he had faith in you. He proved it at the end of the game, and not many guys, Rob, get two chances at a game winner. It was a great first set. You come off, it barely rims out, and then the second one, you get over in the corner for the game-winning shot, and you bury that one. I mean, tell me about that shot, especially the second one. The first one, you could see it on your face. It was like, oh, man, it was a close one. The second one, yeah. though, it must have felt pretty good. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I caught it, I knew I was going to shoot it. So, yeah, we actually just put that play in uh, this past week. So it was a new play. And um, Race just set a good screen on Savanovich, and I got open and uh, just made the shot. If there's anything that the people on this uh, this show can relate to, it's uh, catching the ball and being ready to shoot it. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I can I, I can promise you. I can promise you. I got for another. Sure. I got another thing for you too, Rob. So it's been a tumultuous four four years for you, man. Like coaching changes, players in and out. There's been a lot going on. You're a four year guy. Like, yeah. how gratifying was it for you in Assembly Hall? Hit the game winner. They picked you up. They carried you off the court. I mean, you're the man on campus right now, baby. How nice is it after everything, through all the adversity and everything that you've been through personally? I mean, to be a, a I guess the right word is adored, adored like that, man. It's big time, man. It's big time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the fans stuck through me with everything up and down, through all my injuries, through the bad games I had, the good games I had. So, I mean, that feeling is something I'll never forget. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really just love my teammates. This is kind of a completely new team this year. And um, everyone really just stepped up and did their part. And um, I mean, we just have to celebrate tonight and then just get ready, get ready for Michigan. So you guys just beat the number four team in the country and your All-American center basically didn't play because of foul trouble, more or less. Right. So what does that what does that say about your group moving forward? What does it say about this team? Oh, that everyone stepped up and was ready to play. I mean, he didn't he was honestly hurt from the last game, so he didn't really know how much how much he would be playing today. I mean, he got an early foul trouble, but uh, Big Mike came in and stepped up. I mean, just him being 
his leadership he's had all year and him just being ready to play really helped us and he gave us gave us a big boost off the bench all right well listen rob i appreciate you being here i just got one more question are we we hitting kilroy's tonight <laughs> nah, uh, hey hey meet rob at kilroy's meet rob fantasy at kilroy's he's a man on campus go say thank you iu go say thank you <laughs> uh listen rob congratulations man soak it in enjoy the moment uh it was a lot of fun to watch thank you for being here all right let's see I know T.O. is trying to get to Kilroy's right now. I've been to Kilroy's. I'm not going back to Kilroy's. That's all I'm going to say about Kilroy's. <laughs> so that, that's as far as this conversation goes. <laughs> all right. So so real quick, let me ask you guys this. Um, Indiana now has the, their marquee win, the elite win that they needed. They've also beaten Ohio State. Uh, they have a win over Notre Dame at home. But that is the extent of their quad one and quad two victories so far this season. They are three or four, uh, three and four against the top two quadrants. In your minds, Ashton, I'm going to you first on this one. Now that you are hardwired in for us, uh, <laughs> are, are they are they a tournament team? I mean, they're a tournament team, right? I, I think they're a tournament team. I, I think this solidified it for me. Just the way they play without Trace Jackson Davis, to be honest. Um, the eye test. Um, I was iffy on their perimeter guys, I'll be honest, um, in terms of Xavier Johnson and even Parker Stewart a little bit. I, I thought he was one of the guys that, you know, he averaged 19 points last year at Tennessee Martin. I was expecting him to have a, a little bigger impact, um, but he, he he's playing OK. I just think he can do a little bit more. But overall, Indiana, um, I, I just think it was a huge statement winning at home against a really good Purdue team. And and I think the way they did it more than likely with, uh, you know, holding Jaden Ivey, really getting into him. He was emotional. The crowd was really into it. And uh, they did a really good job on Travion Williams tonight. So um, just looking at the eye test for sure, I think they're an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, and welcoming in everybody that just finished watching the UConn Huskies take down uh, Butler in Hinkle Fieldhouse. We're talking about Indiana and Purdue. Right now, T.O., uh, I want to head to you on this one, man. Where we've talked ad nauseum about who's the best team in the Big Ten. Is, is Purdue the best team in the Big Ten? Are they winning the Big Ten title? Um, I'm kind of at the point where I don't think that there's a best team in the Big Ten, and I don't think that there's a best team in college basketball. I just think there are a whole bunch of really good basketball teams this year. Well, you have an extra year's worth of players, and you're going to have that for the next three years. I mean, that's so significant because – now your role players on obviously the power six teams are typically transfer ups and, and things of that nature. There's just more players available. And I don't think there's a dominant number one team. I'm in complete agreement. I mean, even Auburn, who a lot of people, including myself, has holes. I mean, significant holes. You never know what you're going to get offensively. You know the effort's going to be there, but there's holes there with Auburn. Gonzaga, can they handle athletic bigs? That's a big question. Drew Timmy has shown over the course of two years he's not been able to do that. But the best team in the Big Ten, there's three right now with one loss, and I have a hard time arguing with any of them. Michigan State, they've been a surprise. I think a lot of people pick them towards the middle. But defensively, they've been terrific. And Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard have been better than a lot of people anticipated. So it just depends from night to night who's going to who's going to make plays, who's going to have the best player on the court. So right now, 
it's for me, big 10 wise, it's either Illinois or Wisconsin because Johnny Davis is the best player on the floor. Every game he's going to play in that conference. But, but you, know, you know what else it is in the big 10? It's the, we talked about the home court advantages before we went to the interview. And they're brutal. They're they're Yeah. It's the big 10 road games are a nightmare. If you look at where um, Purdue has struggled this season and has lost, it is those road environments and those road games. And I wonder, like, part of that probably has to do with the fact that, like, some of we have questions about their point guard play, right? But it's also just road games are never going to be easy in, in college basketball. They just aren't. That's what it is. Road games are not easy in college basketball. That's the bottom line, right, Ashton? Oh, for sure, man. And that that's really what you go to college for. I think the experience. Uh, we talk about the atmosphere. You know, obviously, I was fortunate enough to play in the Oakland Zoo, you know, and that was, you know, a six man to an extent. So um, that's that's what college basketball is all about, is playing in raucous atmospheres and being in the Big Ten. You go to Wisconsin, you go to Purdue, you go to Illinois, all of these, you know, crazy atmospheres. That's that, that's what it's all about, is having that home court advantage, man, for sure. Hey, Ashton, it used to be the zoo. Now it's the petting zoo. Because they haven't won that many games in a long time. So everybody, wow. whenever you go and play at the petting zoo, make sure that you're ready. It's the a petting I, zoo right now. I, I can't even I can't even I can't even come back to that. That's the crazy thing. I, got, I have no comeback. Let me let me welcome everybody that is joining us right now on Sirius XM, ESPNU channel 84. This is the field of 68 after dark. My name is Rob Doster, my lovely co-host here, uh Clemson's. Terrence Oglesby, the guy that's out here taking shots, and Pitts, Ashton Gibbs, the guy who's out here catching strays, just trying to talk a little bit about Indiana basketball, <laughs> just getting killed by his new ACC rival. We are live right now on YouTube. We're live on Twitter. Uh, we are going to be here every single night at 11 p.m. You guys just watched UConn get a win. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about it for just a minute. Ashton, you were a Big East guy. T.O., you are a defined biggie sky at this point Ashton, i'm going to you first on this one uh who is who, who's the best team in the big east right now i'm still a villanova guy man uh and the reason why I, I say that um is their identity they know who they are uh regardless you know you, you said they they had a tough loss to marquette but in the scheme of things they, they they were just missing shots in the scheme of things i think they still get the shots that they want ultimately um, Jay Wright, just a winning pedigree. Guys are really um, under control on offense. I love the way they throw Colin Gillespie even into the post. and He could pass out the post. He makes plays um, the way they, you know, just play play unselfish um, and inside out. Eric, Dick, Eric Dixon inside, Colin Gillespie on the outside. And uh, they, they just know who they are. I think the identity is the biggest reason that you know, I really like Villanova heading into the conference season and then in the NCAA tournament. Tio, are you finally, finally going to give my Huskies some respect? Or are you going to tell me that two and four Seton Hall is still the best team in that league? Hey, I love Seton Hall. They might be the unluckiest team in that league. And I think full strength Seton Hall still up there as one of the best teams in that league. But let's just be honest. Let's just call it what it is. This league right now belongs to Providence. Noah Horkler had a game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a friar. Let's go. They got the best defender in the in the conference. I don't want to hear about your wrench, the wrench at UConn. I don't want to hear about your wrench. I don't want to hear about that at all. <laughs> but they have Noah Horkler. 
They have best five man probably in the league in Nate Watson, and they're leading the Big East. So go ahead and give me the Friars. Give me the Friars right now because Ed Cooley is holding it down over there. All right. Well, well, well. Listen, uh, <laughs> producer Dagan Hughes just told me that we have the audio from uh, from Penny Hardaway's rant at a press conference. We're going to tee that up here in one second. But let me state my case for my UConn Huskies on why they're the best team in the league. One, they are the best defensive team in the league right now. I understand that Seton Hall, you, you love Ike Obiagu, you love the length, and you love that athleticism, but no one can force turnovers the way that UConn can. No one is out there pressing the way that UConn can, and nobody has the length and athleticism and versatility that UConn does on the perimeter. Yes, RJ Cole is about five foot nine. I get it. But everything else makes up for it. Adama Sonogo, underrated rim protector. Makoka Cook, underrated rim protector, too. When Adama Sonogo is on the floor, UConn is one of the best three-point shooting teams in college basketball. They're shooting better than 40% from three. When he's out there, they can play inside, out. You have to double-team Adama when he touches the ball on the block. And that allows them to kind of get the ball moving and get space going on the perimeter. Now, if there's one concern that I have for them, it's they only have that one playmaker. But I'll tell you what, man. R.J. Cole, he might have started his career at Howard. He might have started his career in, in the MEAC. But that dude is a tough, Big East basketball player through and through. You watch the way that he handles the physicality. You watch the way that he handles being the uh, the target of every game, uh, of every team's scattering report every time that he's out there. You take him away and you cut off the head of the snake and UConn doesn't really know what to do offensively. So um, to me, when you put it all together, we haven't seen UConn hit their ceiling yet. And this is the best way to put it to you, T.O. Right now, UConn's record is 13-4 or four overall. Right now, those four losses that UConn has are to uh, NCAA tournament team, Michigan State by four. NCAA tournament team, West Virginia by three. NCAA tournament team, Providence by four. Uh, NCAA tournament team, Seton Hall by three in overtime. They've lost four games by 14 points. They're about six possessions away from being undefeated with a win over the Auburn Tigers, who should be the number one team in the country. Boom. There you go. You can't argue with that. Dagan, can we get that audio of, uh, of Penny Hardaway's? press conference i'm not even gonna let you guys respond let's i can't even audio. respond to that what is <laughs> rj cole respond. playing 42 no. minutes a game <laughs> yeah he's locked in baby let's go uh let's get to that, <laughs> that audio of Penny hardaway's press conference tonight i think the one thing i can say to this media because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me we don't have our full roster y'all know we don't have our full roster stop asking me stupid questions about if i feel like i can do something if i had my roster like they did then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. Act like we got 17, 18, and 19-year-olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24-year-old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. I work too hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these articles about me, and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. CEO, that man is not happy right now. What do you make right now of the Penn Hardaway era and how things are going in Memphis? Well, we, we've talked about it when talking about other teams too. Seton Hall, who we talked about just before this break, and you blasphemously talked about UConn being the best player and the best team in the Big East, but we'll talk about that later. Here's the thing. You come into Memphis and you ask for all the smoke, you're going to get all the smoke. And one thing that the NCAA tournament's not going to take into account this year is circumstance. I think we've established that. And another thing, too, is like, hey, Penny, you might be playing four freshmen. Those are four or five-star freshmen. Like, these are talented kids. Duke's playing with a lot of freshmen. 
There's a lot of different teams playing with a lot of freshmen. And you just blamed your older players not too long ago for your freshmen not playing well. So, like, what is it? It's, yeah. it's, it's a strange dynamic. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack. First and foremost, they did not start four freshmen tonight. They started three freshmen tonight. Uh, two, he talks about all of these people that they're missing. They're really only missing two guys, Landers, Nolly, and DeAndre Williams. And really only one of them matters because Penny Hardaway, all for all that he's talking about, this roster that he built, if he had that available, his teams cannot win if DeAndre Williams does not play. His teams cannot win if that 25-year-old that they have is not available to him. So, uh, look. I get that he's frustrated. I get that the the media there is really hard on them. Like the 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 culture in Memphis is basketball, 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 basketball. That city loves their Tigers. But I, I you know, you came out saying you wanted all the smoke. You got two five star freshmen. But by the way, you forgot to add a point guard, Ashton. They don't have a point guard. Yeah, and that's been their biggest issue, man. And I I think that's how he got Amani Bates. Uh, was telling him he was gonna be the point guard. And then it was just a different story once he stepped on the court. So anytime you have two of the top freshmen, you know, two of the top high school guys in the country with Jalen Duran, Imani, and uh, and the hype they bring, you know, it's going to be some type of pressure. It's going to be media um, that are connected to you. So um, much is given, much is tested, right, at the end of the day. So Penny, uh, Memphis, you know, they, they, they got to step it up at the end of the day. I think – it's just not an excuse at the end of the day. Like once you, once you talking about circumstance, like T.O. said, at the end of the we, we're still playing basketball and we, we're expecting a lot from these young guys. And I think they can do it. It's just, you know, Imani, um, he's had some lapses and even Jalen, I think their approach to the game, their sense of urgency, I think that's been the biggest uh, change when it comes to high school, to the college basketball, playing, playing possession by possession, does it really matter? Not only on the offense end, but defensively, consistently, that's been the issue with. Uh, with here's, here's my biggest thing: is he he put together a flawed roster. There, there's no way around it. He put together a flawed roster. They do not have a point guard. Those are pretty important in college basketball. We've seen it over the years. You look at the last twelve national champions; ten of them played with two point guards, not just one, but two point guards. And Penny's only point guard is a seventeen-year-old. Chucker, that's what he went in with this season going around. The 17-year-old that all he did at Peace Jam was shoot. So, yo, we watched him play. All yeah. he did was shoot at Peace Jam. Not, not a six, whole lot seven, of passing. Weigh, yeah, 6'7", weighs 185 pounds. So, like, you built a bad roster. You can sit here and complain about not having players available. You know what? Every team doesn't have players that are uh, – has players that are missing. Everybody. Everybody's going through it. Everybody's young. Everybody's dealing with that stuff, too. My biggest takeaway from this is that when you start – cussing out the media when you start <laughs> saying things like uh, like i work too effing hard y'all write all these articles about me all i do is work stop asking me stupid effing questions like that's when you know that it's gotten to the point where like i don't know if this is gonna work because once the media in that city turns on you they ran tubby spit up out of there he had back-to-back 21 seasons to hire petty they've been kissing your behind for the last four years and look, at the end of the day, you did not get it done the last three seasons. Yes, you won an NIT championship. You probably should have been in the tournament with that team, right? There's no excuse for not making the tournament with this group, with Amani Bates, with Jalen Dern, with Larry Brown on your bench, with Rasheed Wallace on this be- your bench. But listen, I'm out. guys, wait, hold on. We got to go. We got to go to a break. I was about okay? to say, we got to go to break, right? Yeah. Yeah, we got to We got to come <laughs> back. We'll, we'll continue talking about Penny as soon as we come out. 
out of this break. We also had Jim Laranaga joining us when we come out of this break. But I do not need my producer, Dan Hughes, getting any more mad at me than he is on a daily basis. So we will see you guys back here in about two minutes. Dagan, are we good? No. Sorry, I was muted. Yes, you're clear. All right, so uh, we're doing, for the people that are watching on YouTube and Twitter right now, we're doing a quick Q&A for the next minute and 20 seconds before we come back. Uh, so, guys, you have about 10 seconds to answer each one of these questions. Uh, this one is from Righteous Minds Comedy. You can, you can uh, ask these in the YouTube chat. Uh, this the first one is um, Goodman is from Righteous Minds Comedy. Uh, for the record, Goodman like killed the Mike Woodson hire. Uh, Righteous Minds Comedy is Goodman ducking and dodging the heat right now. Is that is that what's happening? He didn't want I've heard smoke. I've heard no comments from since uh, <laughs> since they did win. So I have no idea. I, I haven't heard from Goodman. So I, I would assume there's a little bit of ducking and dodging going on. A hundred percent. So thirty seconds. Uh, yeah, Andy Stump wants to know, what are your thoughts on the Woodson era so far? Ashton, give me it in 10 words or less. Um, I like it. I think he's doing a wonderful job in, in a short period of time, for sure. T.O.? Wear a suit, get busy in assembly hall. I love it so far. <laughs> 15. <laughs> right. I love Definitely. this one. Last, last one real quick from 82 Atlantic. Should, 10. Memphis, should Memphis do what Auburn did itself and pose a postseason ban right now? Yes. Five. Yes. Yeah. Going live. And we're back to talk a little bit more about Penny Hardaway. T.O., you got any closing thoughts on uh, on our favorite coach down there in Memphis? Well, you, you said he put together a flawed staff. How about I mean, a flawed roster. He put together a flawed staff. Nobody even knows where she's mm -hmm. at. Like, well, <laughs> there's a lot going on. There's so much to unpack in Memphis. We need to call our guy back down there. Uh, what was John? We need to get John. John yeah, we need to get John Martin back on here, and hopefully he can un untangle this web of – disaster that's happening down there at the forum like <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> ashton anything else on on penny before we move on oh no man I, I, it'll get better with time man it'll get better i don't know if he's gonna have much more time like how, how much if you can't here, here's the thing if you can't win when you have one of the greatest basketball minds in the history of the sport on the bench next to you if you can't win with a group of guys that came back from last season off of the NIT, adding two five-star freshmen to that mix, if you can't win with the talent that he has on that roster right now, if you can't recognize that you don't need, like that you need a point guard and you can't use a 17-year-old chucker as the guy running the show for you, like I, I just don't think it's going to end up working, man. And if he's already combating with the media like this, yeah, he ain't Jim Beheim. He ain't Jim Calhoun. Like he, like there's guys that can go at him like that. Like this is just, I don't know, man. I think this is probably the one of those situations where you could say it's the beginning of the end. The the only thing that would have been better in the whole rant is after he said he works too effing hard, he just shouted Wu Tang and just walked out. Like that would have made it the absolute best walk off press conference of all time. It would just put a cherry on top. It's it's too. It, there's just so much to unpack there. I mean, he it's. It's frustrating for him, you can tell, because they do have talent, guys. I mean, we're not lying to anybody. It's it's hard to put together a roster yeah. full of young guys and a mixture of old guys who think they've got it figured out. I mean, even those older guys, they were highly recruited guys too. 
And it, it makes it, it, it's frustrating for them. And everybody has aspirations. He's having a hard time managing not only the players, but his, but his own. And it, it's, it's, it's made for a difficult situation. And, yes. and it just shows you the premium and into having a point guard. Um, that's, that's what college basketball is about, especially as you get deep into the conference play into NCAA tournament play. It's a, it's a guards game, man. So yeah, I think it's the beginning of the end. Like you said, Rob. Yeah, I just I laugh every time that he complains. Oh man, we have to play all of these freshmen. <laughs> like, you know, two weeks ago he was complaining about how all of the older guys that won him an NIT championship are upset that he's playing all of these freshmen. Like, those are the guys you wanted to play. That that's why you pissed off Landers Nale and DeAndre Williams because he wanted to play these dudes. So uh, you can't have it both ways, Penny. Anyway, this is the field of sixty-eight after dark. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Sirius XM. Channel 84 ESPNU. My name is Rob Doster. Joining me tonight, Ashton Gibbs, the pit legend, and uh, Terrence Oglesby, who was a legend in his own mind at Clemson. Uh, I want to talk about ACC. You you played in the ACC, Terrence Pitt. You were, uh, uh, Ashton, you are now a, an ACC guy kind of by default uh, because of where your, uh, your program is currently sitting. Uh, the team sitting in first place is Miami. We're going to be joined by Jim Laranega here in uh in about two minutes but i, I want to ask you guys this the story on the season so far has been that it's like a one bid acc miami's in first place they just want to do I, they're probably a tournament team right to and they beat the the life out of carolina in the next game at their own place and when i say the life out of carolina by the time the second half rolled around didn't even look like they wanted to be there look i this miami team and larinaga is going to talk about it they're old old wins I feel like I've said it all year long, old wins and having players that can create off the dribble when your offense breaks down at the end of the shot clock is so crucial at high level and high level basketball in the collegiate setting, because Isaiah Wong is so creative with the ball. Cam Augusti is finally healthy. This is a roster that over the past two years has struggled to stay healthy. Sam Wardenberg's a big piece. I mean, having a five man that can shoot the ball and space the space, the floor, significant especially when you have guards uh that can get to the rim the way they do uh floor spacing's at a premium there they've got guys who can shoot the ball and they've got guys who can create it's a lot of fun to watch yeah ashton what is the value of uh of, of being a veteran you you played at Pitt for four years what is what happens when you get old we talked about how old the guards are at miami where, where what does the value lie where does that impact your game you, you just know what to expect. You know what to expect, everybody. And, and you usually just cave into your role. Everybody accepts their role. And uh, you, you basically, you know, everybody hangs out. They, they know what it takes to win for the most part. And uh, the longer you're there in, in college, the more you usually want to win at the same time. I know guys want stats, but guys ultimately want a good experience winning also. And that's what Miami's doing with, uh, you know, Charlie Moore, Jordan Miller, um, Augusti. These guys are older guys. And Isaiah Wong plays uh, plays older, in a sense. And uh, I think he does a great job of creating for himself and creating for others. Uh, but like you said, Rob, like uh, getting old, being veterans, um, you, you know what to expect. And even when you go into hostile environments, we talked about playing in away games in these uh, raucous em environments, uh, you, you know what to expect when you're going into certain places and guys guys uh, stay together even when, when teams get on runs. So that's huge. All right, so we were joined by Coach Larry Nagger earlier on 
tonight. So we're going to go to that interview right now. Now, let me welcome to the field of 68 after dark Miami head coach, Jim Laranega. Jim, what's going on, man? Thanks for being here. Well, nice to talk with you guys and uh, looking forward to hearing some of your uh, very intelligent questions. <laughs> only only the best questions here. So I'll start you off with this one. Uh, you guys were picked 12th in the ACC preseason poll out of 15 teams. You're sitting here today. It's January 18th, and you guys are first place in the conference did you see this coming well first of all i didn't pick us 12th and i you know i don't pick i i i let the prognosticators and all these experts decide where we belong what my staff and i do is try to prepare our players to be the best team that we can be and right now we've played well enough uh to have won 10 of our last 11 games and to have only uh one loss in the acc but we've got a lot of games still ahead of us, and uh, we're not counting our chickens before they're hatched. So uh, we, we're taking one game at a time. We've got Florida State um, on Saturday and looking forward to playing them. Hey, Coach, not meaning to jinx anything, but you guys have been healthy this year. Over the course of the last couple of years, you've dealt with a lot of injuries. Sam Wardenberg didn't play last year. Cam Augusti's finally in, and he's a full-time player now. Uh, that's obviously been big for you guys, given the, your success so far. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. Uh, the injuries killed us, especially last year. We had uh, 12 scholarship players on the team, and six of them were out for the season. We lost Chris Likes, an all-conference player. We lost Sam Wardenberg, who you see how impactful he is. Rodney Miller uh, was out. Earl Timberlake, who's now transferred and playing at Memphis. So we had, we had a lot of injuries to deal with, and uh, we played some good games. Now, we, we beat Louisville. We beat Purdue. We had some very nice wins. We beat Duke last year. Uh, but, you know, for a team that only had six scholarship guys and a, a couple of walk-ons, you know, you're, you're really not able to prepare the way you'd like to uh, for every game. Talking about this year's roster, you guys are old. I mean, fourth, four six-year guys. I mean, that's pretty significant. We joke all the time, like, these guys are old enough to buy beer. You guys are old enough to drive cars, like, or rent cars, rather. So how much does that help? You guys got a big win up at Duke. That's huge. Having older players going that going into atmospheres like that, I'm curious your thoughts on having older guys in that kind of situation. Well, I, I think one of the keys that has worked so well for us, and this is really a challenge for all college coaches, you have so many new guys. Half our team is new. We have three freshmen, two transfers, and then we've got Sam Wardenberg and Rodney Miller who were injured and didn't play last year. So that's seven guys of our 14, and – and uh, you're trying to build unity, chemistry. And what's been so beautiful, these older guys like Charlie Moore, who's in his sixth year, Jordan Miller, who's in his fourth year, have joined our program and have just adapted their games to accommodate our needs. And they are sensational. Two terrific kids, two terrific players. They're both in the starting lineup. They're both playing about 30 minutes a game. Uh, they're scoring in double figures. 
they're assisting, they're playing great defense, and they've been so well embraced by the returning players. Isaiah Wong and Kim Augusti are leading scorers. They love playing with Charlie and Jordan. And then having Sam back and him healthy and having some good freshmen to come in and an Anthony Walker who started for us last year and now comes in off the bench. So we've got good experience, older guys, but we also have a lot of youthful enthusiasm uh, because these guys, <laughs> they've been beat up a lot. They've lost a lot throughout their careers and they're finally enjoying success the way that they, they've earned. When the FBI investigation first happened, I think it was like five years ago now, you guys were kind of lumped in the mix, but nothing ever came of it. You guys were clear, no charges ever uh, resulted from it. How much did that, that impact your program over the course of the last couple of seasons? Was there any kind of residual effect there? Well, Rob, to, to be honest with you, it was devastating. Um, my, my staff and I, we worked very, very hard to keep the spirits up. But for two solid years, we couldn't recruit. It happened. It happened. Uh, uh, what was it? The year 2017? Yeah, 2017. And we had, and we had just gotten a verbal commitment from Sadiq Bay. How good is Sadiq Bates? Now, you know, two and done in the NBA. He was on the old rookie team. And we had him. And we were involved with some other outstanding prospects and thought we were going to have a great recruiting class because we were losing Bruce Brown and Lonnie Walker. Well, you lose those two great players, but you replace them with great players, you can keep the ball rolling. But when the FBI investigation included us erroneously, uh, they, the, all our recruits went elsewhere and we didn't have the, the kind of recruiting classes we normally have and ended up, you know, with losing records. It was devastating. So by my count, there are four coaches in the ACC that are over 70 years old. It's you, it's coach K it's Leonard Hamilton and it's Jim Beheim. today. If we set up a shooting contest for the four of you guys, who's winning it? <laughs> I think we probably would all choose ourselves, but I can tell you, I, I, although if you made the shooting contest from three, I don't have that range anymore, but we do a free throw contest every single day. It's called the free throw ladder and you got to work your way up and down by beating a teammate. And one day we were missing one of our players. He's out sick. And one of the players needed, needed someone to choose from. I said, well, choose anyone you want. You can choose a manager or something. He said, coach, I choose you. <laughs> and I said, you, you really don't want to do that. And he said, yeah, I do. So you have to shoot 25 free throws, five apiece. We tied at 22, and then I beat him in overtime, 28-27. Uh, there so, we go. Uh, if it was free throw shooting, uh, I'd be fine. I, I don't know how Coach K does it. He, he's like me. I think he has two artificial hips. He may have uh, <laughs> a, 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 you know, a, a replaced knee. Bayheim's a different story. He probably still shoots now. That guy's in phenomenal shape. You know, he's like 77 years old and still looks great. I don't, I don't know about Leonard. I don't think Leonard was a high scorer in college. He probably still can't shoot, but his teams probably played defense the way he did. He, he's, his teams are ridiculous defensively. Thank you for being here. Congrats on all the success this season. Uh, and hopefully you're going to keep winning. So we got to get you back on here again at a, a later date this season. Yeah, we got to keep it rolling. Thanks, fellas. 
It's always great to catch up with Coach Larinaga. And now we're going to head to break. But when we come back, I am going to tell you guys what Shaden Sharp needs to do, what decision he has to make regarding the 2022 NBA draft and playing at Kentucky this season. You're clear. All right, we got some questions in the chat. Make sure if you're watching on YouTube right now, you hit that like button. You know what? You know what you do, Tio? You smash that like button. Uh, drop something in the chat. Ask us a question. Interact with it. Uh, so here's the first question we got. Uh, I'm going to you first on this one, Ashton. When I ask the question, who is the Big East player of the year? Why is the answer Adama Sanogo? Man, he affects the game so well, man. Uh, those guys... You know, not not only offensively, but defensively. I think he just changes the game uh, for for UConn. Um, I, I like R.J. Cole, believe it or not. I'm I'm just an R.J. Cole guy, man. Uh, he's from Jersey. That Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. He's from Jersey. <laughs> he's a Jersey guy, but. That's, um, that's what the answer is. All right, T.O., we got another question. On Monday, when the AP poll comes out, is Miami going to be ranked? If they're not, there's an issue. I mean, that's two really impressive wins. Not only, should they, not only should they be ranked, I think they should be like in that 2021 range. And I think it's well-deserved after those two performances. All right. I'm going to ask both you guys this. We got, what is it, 20 seconds um, left right now. So uh, it's from Kyle Sanders. He says the Big Ten hasn't won a 15. championship since 2000. Is this the year they get it done? 10. Yes. Whoa. No. Five seconds. No. Contrarian. No. I don't know. Yes. No. Here we no. go. You're live. And welcome back to the field of 68 after dark. My name is Rob Doster. We are presented by our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ashton Gibbs, the pit legend, and Clemson's own Terrence Oglesby. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Sirius XM Channel 84. That's the ESPNU station every night. 11 o'clock until midnight. Uh, gentlemen, we got to talk about Shaden Sharp. So for people that don't know, Shaden Sharp is an athletic, powerful, six-foot-six scoring wing, I think is probably the best way to, uh, to, to phrase his game. Uh, he is currently committed to – or currently enrolled at Kentucky. He was originally in the class of 2022. He graduated early. Uh, in November, he announced that he was heading to Kentucky at the uh, semester break. He enrolled in January, and today there was a report from ESPN's Jonathan Gavoni that said that he is going to be eligible to apply for the NBA draft. Uh, it's a little bit murky how that process works. I don't think Gavoni would put that out there unless he got some kind of tip-off that it is going to happen, and that's the way that it's going to end up going. But right now we have kind of a decision to make. If uh, if Sharp is going to be eligible for the 20, the plan was always to have him go early, train, practice, work out, and then play next season, not play this year, play next season. But if he's eligible for the draft now, then that could end up uh, changing the plan. So I want to ask you guys this, uh, Tio, I'm going to go to you first on this one. You, you've coached at that level. You've coached at the ACC. Um, you've played in the ACC. You've pr played professionally um, all over the world. So if you are coaching Kentucky, if you're Coach Cal, would you even want 
to try to work him in this season? And and what would the difficulties be in trying to get him up to speed uh, when we're already in the middle of January? Well, the biggest thing is, is Kentucky starting to play so well. I mean, a big win over Tennessee where they just absolutely throttled them. And I talked down on that win a little bit because I thought Tennessee was poor. But then they rebound, go down to College Station in another tough environment, underrated environment, College Station, Texas A&M. They go down there and win against a much improved Buzz Williams squad. And they're starting to figure each other out. And then you're going to throw another person in the mix. Now, this person they're throwing in the mix is super talented, should be the number one player in the class. He is that gifted of a scorer. So, Talent wins. Guys, we know this. Talent in the midseason. I don't know that there's ever been a comparable situation happen. I, I was kind of thinking back, like, who's the last guy to do something like this? I don't um, know that there is Diallo one. Diallo also at Kentucky was, was something similar. But it's not this, – this is like, – He's not really Shady Sharp. Only, yeah, it really only happens at Kentucky. So, real quick, Tio, we watched him at, at Peach Jam this year. I know you've seen him play before. Break down his game a little bit. Tell us uh, what, what he is as a player. Uh, he reminded me of a bigger, stronger, more athletic Lou Williams. And I'm talking about the Lou Williams. I'm talking about lemon pepper Lou right now, that Lou Williams. That's my main man. I love Lou Williams. I think he's a terrific player, but at about four inches of height and about 20 pounds and you have Shaden sharp and imagine what that would do to Lou Williams game. And people forget Lou Williams was the number one rated player in the country, his senior year in high school. That was a high level guy. And just a talented scorer and somebody who can get places off the dribble. He's a plus shooter, uh, supreme athlete. I mean, it, like he is that level of a player. And in my opinion, guys, a, a talent like that, you need to figure it out. Like he is that kind of player. Yeah. And before anybody criticizes Lou Williams, I didn't know that that was the thing that people did that they criticized Lou. Williams. He's been in the NBA for 16 years. Do you know how good you have to be? to last in the NBA for 16 years and play at the level that Lou Williams has. Are there people that don't realize that this dude's like one of the top 100 basketball players on the planet right now yeah, in year 16. Yeah. yeah like yeah. Uh, there's, I didn't know that there was a, uh, there was, there was Lou Williams slander. <laughs> that That's, that's <laughs> the, that was out there like that. All right, Ash, let me ask you this then um, for the counterpoint. Uh, he is Shaden Sharp graduated. I believe it was in the late summer. I think maybe in October, um, it was before the NBA season uh, technically started, which is why they, they believe they have a chance to be able to get him eligible for this year's draft. Uh, but this is not quite the same scenario as Amani Bates. Shaden Sharp was born seven days after Jabari Smith. He's already 18 years old, right? He turns 19 in May. So he's supposed to technically be, but by his age, a freshman right now. Uh, but he's like, it was a weird kind of development for him, right? Like he was an unknown recruit until about uh, a year ago and he kind of blew up and then he led e the EYBL in scoring and shot up to become the number one prospect in the country after Amani Bates and after Jalen Duran reclassified and went to Memphis. So if you were advising him, if you were Shaden Sharp, the, anybody that's in basketball knows this, if you were Shaden Sharp's guy, what would you be telling him to do? Would you tell him to play? Would you tell him to, to go to the draft? Would you tell him to keep working out and enter the 2023 draft? Like what, what's, what's your play here? What do you think he should do? I think he should enter the 23 draft. And the reason why I say that is experience, get, get the college experience, uh, collect your NIL money um, and then play against all of the top talent in the country, man. Um, I just think it's maybe I'm a little biased. I just think, 
there's something to a college experience for a kid. Um, just going into, we, we just talked about atmospheres. We just talked about different environments um, in college. And uh, something you rarely see, not to that level, I would say, uh, in the NBA. It's just a completely different lifestyle. So I would just say and enjoy college while you have it. Um, the NBA will be there. Like we we know he's ultra talented, um, but ultimately he he'll still get paid through the NIL and in general. So um, work out, do what you got to do on the court, and uh, and and just be a college kid, man. Enjoy the experience. He might be get he he might he might take a pay cut to go to the NBA with NIL at Kentucky. I mean, yeah. that is you're, a basketball crazy state. Like, that is a basketball crazy a place. Yeah, yeah no, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm 100% serious. Like, with all the things Kentucky, that's the only show in Kentucky because, I mean, Louisville's falling off the planet. But, like, <laughs> right now, Kentucky is – I mean – there's, there's so much one, there's so much money in Kentucky. I mean, I, I was roommates with uh, Andrew Harrison on the road in the G league. He's like, man, I couldn't believe it. These people who owned all these horses, they named their horses after me. I was like, imagine if uh, they could have paid him then just imagine, let's just imagine for a moment if they could have like those guys would have made them a lot of money too. I I actually agree with that as well. Um, It's a little different for Shaden simply because he's already, um, 18. Uh, but like for, for someone in a Monty Bates situation, I just, I never think that it makes sense to rush, right? You don't need to rush your timeline. Everyone has their own timeline. You don't need to rush it. Yeah. Just, just take the steps, get there. It's less important to get drafted than it is to get to that second contract. Cause when you get drafted, you're going to make some money. Your bank account's going to look nice. You're going to buy some, a, a nice car. You're going to be able to, to put a down payment on a house. You want to get generational wealth last 16 years in the NBA, like what Lou Williams did. That's how you go from being a guy that has some money to being someone that is, uh, that is rich. All right. So we got a minute left guys. I'm going to put you both on the spot. 30 seconds. I want to know right now, who do you think is the one team that is the most underrated team in the country? T.O. Give me somebody that you think is going to make a run here late in the season. You got 30 seconds. (laughs) Uh, Let uh, Florida state. Look, they're starting to play really well. They've got two big-time wins at home. Uh, the Seminole faithful are really angry at me right now because of my power rankings, but they're starting to come together. And John Butler Jr., I called it. That is a talented man at seven foot one playing the two position. Give me Florida State. They get better as the season rolls on. Ashton, you got something for me? I'm on a Miami train, man. I'm on a Miami train right now. Isaiah Wong, uh, Larry Nega has those guys playing really well. Um, they should be top 25, man. They're – a little underrated, but I think they're a really good team. Number one in the ACC, man. I'm going to tell you this. Both of you guys are wrong because the correct answer is the Oregon Ducks. They are rolling right now. They just went That's into UCLA. One. They just went into USC. They're sweeping everybody. They're not playing tonight because Washington State has COVID, but uh, it is what it is. But anyway, listen, guys, we appreciate everyone that's tuned in. If you're listening on SiriusXM, we are about to head over to YouTube right now to do the After Dark. Afterwards, we hang out there for about 10 or 15 minutes. We have ourselves a little beverage and we answer some questions. So if you're tuning in, we appreciate you coming by every night at 11 p.m. The Field of 68 After Dark. You guys are good. All right. It's the After Dark Afters. Ladies and gentlemen, hit us with those questions. 
anything that you want to want to ask us about we are here to answer it for you it's uh oh yeah there's nothing better than that sound <laughs> little raspberry white claw to cap off the night i remember uh, my first beer <laughs> um, all right so downhill from uh, there yeah <laughs> yeah we need we need some we need some questions in the chat so if you're in the youtube chat right now hit us hit us with some questions uh i want to start you guys off with this um so san francisco right now is playing gonzaga it's live it's the end of the first half gonzaga's up 33 to 30 uh to how good do these teams in the wcc have to play and do they have to get a win over the zags to be able to to make it as an at-large team I would assume so. There's not too many quality wins on their schedule. Now, San Francisco started out great. Not good. They started out great. But still, finding quality team, uh, finding quality wins is an issue. So I'm assuming they have to at least beat Gonzaga. It's kind of the same position the AC season. You beat Duke, you might as well, you have a better shot at getting in. But, you know, West Coast Conference. Maybe it's San Fran, you got to beat Gonzaga, you'll be good. Yeah, that's that's my biggest thing. You know, the, the top of the league is really good, and there's probably going to be a bunch of teams that have enough of these computer numbers to get through, but um, it's tough, man. It's tough. All right, let me ask you this, Ashton. Uh, 82 Atlantic wants to know, um, is St. Bonaventure overrated? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, you talk about veterans. We talk about seniors. Kyle Lofton, Osuna, I knew, Osuna. I knew, I knew you were going to say something about yeah. him. Kyle Lofton, man, that's my guy right there. That's my Where's guy. He at, at, he's from Jersey. He's a Jersey. <laughs> Osuna, Osuna, that another another Jersey guy as well, man. But I like Mark Schmidt to be honest. I think they're. I, I just think the way they, um, their offenses, they they execute and uh, they clean. They they clean around the basket. I think Osuna, Osuna around the basket. He's he's blocking everything, um, but when it comes down to the conference play and even getting into the NCAA tournament, I think those guys are really stepping up. Um, I, I think they're proven, and then they're, they're veterans, all in all. Ashton, let me ask you this question: um, Where are you from in Jersey? North Jersey, man. I'm from Scotch Plains. Uh, went to Seton Hall Prep. Scotch so Plains. I have a soft spot Seton, for Seton, Seton Hall, Hall. Seton Hall Prep. Yeah. Where does where does Seton Hall play their home games? Seton Hall University, yeah. Prudential Center, oh, Newark, New Jersey. Center. Newark, yes. New Jersey. All right. Um, do you remember when St. Bonaventure went to New York, Newark, New Jersey and played a game in the Prudential Center? <laughs> I do. I do. What happened? <laughs> yeah, the Bronnies, man, it, it, it didn't look didn't look good. I'm pretty sure that Kyle didn't play that game, though. <laughs> no, Did Kyle didn't. play? He didn't no, play he, that game. No, that, was, that, that was a big one. The, the, the worst part, co the worst colors like that brown oh that was this oh my the God. worst like universe like i understand saint but you got a lot of pride in your school whatever the worst mask like not the mascot's fine but the jersey colors <laughs> they and, leave a lot to be desired and literally nothing to do around there where saint Bob oh really I, i've oh never been gosh. up there middle of nowhere only only i don't even know how you pronounce Olean, it this, new york yeah yeah. All right. Uh, this is from T.O.'s guy, David Bentley, who's in the YouTube chat right now. He wants to know, uh, you got to put your house on the line right now, T.O. You got to bet your house on it. Auburn or Baylor, who you got? In a game or to go further? Uh, I'm, I, I, I need context, I, I, Bentley. I'm, Get I'm it together. You, I'm just giving you what's in the YouTube chat right now. I can't do any more than that. <laughs> 
I mean, right now, Baylor in the tournament. Uh, no, right now, Auburn, excuse me, in the tournament, Baylor. Just because I think Baylor's length around the perimeter is, is going to give so many teams problems when it comes to uh, when it when it comes to you know just being able to rotate. I think Baylor is elite in that aspect, and they're going to get back together after losing two in a row. Billy just came back in the comments and said, "Game. If I had to pick a game right now, I'd pick Auburn because they just have a lot of guys right now that are playing at their peak." Uh, in mid-January, which you may or may not want. Yeah. All right, Ashton, this one is for you. Uh, Texas, right now. Um, your brother played there for two years, right? Was it two one, years that he played yeah, there? Yeah, just one year. One year. Rick one Barnes. Year. Yeah. So what, what do they have to do moving forward? How does Texas fix this? Can they fix this? Uh, their front court, I just think they, they need more out of Trey Mitchell. They need more out of their front court. But I, I think – their sense of urgency, they, they don't play hard enough. Uh, they, they're not aggressive enough. And Chris Beard kind of said that um, in his last press conference is how hard they they just don't bring it consistently. And uh, their their sense of urgency just isn't there uh, consistently. And I, I think that's their biggest issue. So, you know what? This might be a hot take. You know what my, th- my, my thing is with Texas? I just don't think they have good enough players. Right? Boom. Like, Really? Well, no, when, when we're when we're talking about teams that should be national champions, right? And we're talking about teams that should be final four teams. We're talking about guys that that are loaded with pros, generally speaking, right? Whether some maybe it's a bunch of lottery picks, maybe it's a bunch of guys where you're like, that dude is gonna, whether or not he ends up playing in the NBA, he's gonna go make uh six figures, seven figures a year overseas. Like you say that dude's a pro, and you say mm-hmm. it about multiple dudes on their roster. Who do you say it about on that Texas team? Marcus Carr, maybe. I, I guess, but he just never – he's never won. Like, you're a point guard and you've never won. You're a shoot-first yeah. point guard and, and you're inefficient. So, that's my biggest thing with Texas is they they were supposed to be this group of great college players that were going to figure it out, and they haven't been able to figure it out. And there's there's just no – who's the NBA player for both yeah. of you guys? Who's the NBA player right now in Texas? Well, Trey Mitchell was supposed to be that guy, but he was in the, he was in the A-10. So that's not the big 12. That's, that's basically he's in for a rude awakening basically right now. I think a lot of what you're saying is valid. Like, because when you look at the big, big 12, like that conference, look at the teams they have to beat in order to get there. Mm -hmm. The talent is not on par with the rest of that conference. You look at Baylor, like all those guys, I mean, look at Kendall Brown, Jeremy Sochan. I mean, those are, those aren't just draft picks. Those are first round picks. You look at Kansas, Ochai Abaji, like a lot of guys, a lot of guys. And that's a tough, tough league. I mean, even Oklahoma state who doesn't really have much to play for, they've got athletes all over the floor. I would venture to guess they're much more athletic than Texas. So it's, I, I agree with you. I mean, one, they're not very athletic. That top end talent too, is just not where it needs to be in my humble opinion. In your, your, uh, your, your humble opinion. All right. We gotta, we gotta bring, Bring up some more questions here. I'm going to handle this one. I know To does not like uh, like having to, to worry about um, tournament profiles or net ratings or anything of that nature. Uh, I forget the name. Hold on. I should I should know. I got to know the name. I got to write these things down. Um, somebody Ray asked Hopkins. about Arkansas. Somebody asked about Arkansas too. There's yeah, somebody we'll, in there. we'll get to that in a second. I wanted to talk about the uh, the whether or not um, the Mountain West is going to be a two bid league, and I think it absolutely is. I think that both San Diego State and um 
and Colorado State are going to make it. Uh, I think that there is an outside chance that someone like a Wyoming could get there if they could find a way to beat San Diego State or beat Colorado State. San Diego State, or I'm sorry, Wyoming has very, very good uh, metrics. Um, Boise State's got a little bit of an outside chance, but right now San Diego State is three and three against the top two quadrants, and they have one quad one win against, I am forgetting, it was uh, St. Mary's on a neutral. Colorado State right now is. Uh, is four and one against the top two quadrants and they have one quadrant one win against Creighton on a neutral court. They beat St. Mary's at home. They beat Mississippi state on a neutral. They won at home against Utah state. I think both of those teams are going to get in. I think both of them do a fantastic job. And I think we're going to end up seeing a two bid uh, mountain West. If for no other reason, like where the bids got to come from somewhere, right? Yeah. Someone's got to, someone's got to get in. It's not like there's all, all these teams in there. We've kind of accepted that the ACC is going to get a minimum of four, right? No matter what happens. Yeah. But beyond that, like the, the Americans are one bid league. Are we really going to get two out of the, the Atlantic 10 this year? Right? Like the WCC, we just talked about how, yeah, it would be fun if they could get four, but they're probably more like a three bid league, right? Maybe a two bid league, especially if BYU keeps going down. Someone's got to get these bids, man. We got to, this is called the field of 68. For a reason. Unless, like, the American, like, somebody – how's Houston doing since they've had all those injuries? Sorry to – up everybody, but they're all bad teams. Yeah, but, I mean, they're going to make the tournament, aren't they? I mean, they've been good – they were good in the non-conference. Yeah, so, say, say Memphis gets hot in the tournament, <laughs> makes a tournament, sets the world ablaze. Penny Hardaway's telling everybody off because <laughs> he's got his old players back. Like, that'd be big time. So, two uh, American conference teams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I you don't believe in that. Well, I, I maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll get there. But like my 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 biggest thing is that they there's just not a lot of good. Things. They just lost to East Carolina, man. Like how you blew yeah. it. You can't lose to East Carolina. There is a law that you cannot lose to East Carolina and make it to the NCAA tournament. I'm sorry if there's any East Carolina fans that are listening uh, right now. All right, let me ask you guys this. This comes from Alex Berngard. Uh, Ashton, I'm going to you first on this one. Iowa State, do they have enough offense to be a Sweet 16 type of team? No, I don't think so. Um, I now, I, I, obviously, I like them, but in terms of, I, I just don't think so overall. Um, do they shoot it well enough? How you know consistent do they shoot it? And then um, identity at the end of the day. I love Brockington, but you know, you take him out of the mix, like. Do they have consistent fire punch? And I, I just don't think so. Yeah. Iowa T-O. State better be worried, man. They're two and four in league. And some of their metrics on Kimpon, when you go to conference only, don't look good. I mean, seventh in offense, eighth in defense, which has kind of been their calling card. They're going to have to guard in the power in, in, in conference too. I think that's worrisome. They're going to have to find a way to, to win uh, at home against TCU and in Oklahoma State. That's a tough game, man, especially with the athletes they have. They're, they're going to have to figure it out. I like what Otzelberger's done because he's put together a lot of old guys. But He's changed the offensively, there. Yeah, absolutely, hard, yes. To, to change – he changed Iowa State from being a team that, like, scores a bunch, but you're kind of like, yeah, they're not going to get stops, but it's gonna they're going to score in the 80s, and if they're hitting their threes, they're going to win. To being a team that's like you're going to have to actually fight them to win, right? Like They're, they're, yeah. they're a team that's now we'll, – we'll win the fight. And if we win the fight, then we probably will win the basketball game as well. Well, he's got Crazy. a completely new roster. So, sure, I guess the culture part, too. He's completely recycled the roster. So, yep. 
Uh, you mentioned Arkansas earlier. I can't remember who asked that. Someone asked that in the chat earlier tonight. Um, talk to me, T.O., about Arkansas. I, I mean, it, Rob Hotchkiss. Rob Hotchkiss, my main man, Hotchkiss. Rob. Uh, you know, I, I they've been, to me, the one, the probably the most disappointing team in that league, if truth be told. And it's it's shocking because they brought in so much talent. Now they have won their last three. That's significant. They're starting to play better, but the last three were, well, I guess Missouri got to beat them, ended up beating them by 43 points. Then LSU, that's a good win. And they won at LSU. That's a big time win. South Carolina at home. They got Texas A&M next. I think that's a good test. They got them at home, but it's, uh, they have the talent. It's just a matter of finding out the right way to play guys together because they've got a lot of new faces too. I mean, Chris likes was a, another pick guy that, that, jump ship like uh tony oh these tony yeah yeah they uh, ex-pit guys are everywhere man <laughs> these pit guys man if they were to just get stuck out at, if they would have just stuck at the petting zoo like they would have been good to go <laughs> like like there would have been no issues but uh that's why they left man they'd been top 20 <laughs> stay at the petting zoo you're top 20 uh i I, now, I will say this about arkansas um last year january 2nd to january 16th they lose to Missouri. They lose to Tennessee. They beat Georgia. They lose to LSU. They lose to Alabama. Now, those teams are a lot better than the teams that they lost this year, but same kind of thing, December 11th to January 8th. Lose to Oklahoma. Lose to Hofstra, which is something that you can't do. Hofstra did not have their best player. They lost at Mississippi State. That's not great. They lost at home to Vanderbilt. Yeah, you don't want to do that. And they lost at Texas A&M, which, you know, is not a horrible loss. Which is turning into being okay loss. Really? Yeah, it's. I mean, it, the, Texas a might be a tournament team when things are all said and done, if they can kind of find a way to keep winning. But, um, I like, I, I think that they might figure it out. Like, Muss is just one of these dudes that finds a way to figure it out. That's what he does. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah he's, and he's done it everywhere he's been. And master motivator will get those guys back on the right track. He'll sell it as they all doubted us, like, the whole nine. I like Arkansas. I like their teams. I like their pieces they put together. It's just – I guess they didn't like coming back from Christmas. Christmas break was not friendly to the Hogs. I think that's the biggest thing. They play hard. They, they they play hard from us, man. I, I think overall, like he gets his guys to play really, really hard. They almost take on his his persona. Like they, they have them loose balls. They they play really hard. All right, two more questions. First and foremost, uh, Utah is beating UCLA at home at halftime right now. It's thirty-two to thirty-one. How worried are you guys about the Bruins? I'm, I'm not worried, honestly. Um, I, I love Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang, but uh, winning pedigree, man. Mick Cronin, this is, you know, he he gets his guys to play hard and um, they really defend. Um, it's going to come down to making shots consistently for these guys, I think. And then point guard play. I think uh, Tiger's underrated um, in terms of just – Making making plays off the pick and roll and making things easier for those other guys. I'm not worried. I mean, it's worried as far as getting back to the final four. Then I probably would be a little bit more worried because I think they just rely on so many difficult shots, and that's not changing because of the style in which they play. Uh, I, should we be worried? I mean, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at them. They're 11 and two. Their only losses are to Gonzaga on a neutral site, and then Oregon, who's coming along nicely. Now, the Oregon thing obviously hurts because Oregon's pre-conference was not great. But, I, I mean, this is a team that's – they've got enough talent. They're figuring each other out. And sometimes when you make that kind of run, the pressure 
it's mid January. These are the dog days of the season. Like this is a time where guys kind of have to slog through it. You got to get through these, this mid January to mid February, but until people start talking about the tournament and the conference tournaments and all that stuff, this is the time where you just continue to grind through it and they got to be careful not to get bored, but they've only got two losses. I don't know why I would be worried. Yeah. What I will say is this, they don't have a home court. They no. have no fans in their building which is kind of silly when you consider that 10 miles away, there were just 80,000 people in the Rams stadium for a playoff game, but it is what it is. We don't need to go on that rant tonight. Uh, So they're coming off of their own 26 day stoppage, right? They have guys that are trying to get back in shape. They have guys that were sick when they, when they, when they got sick with COVID. So it's, it's, you come back from that coming off of this great start to the season and you walk into the building and there's no fans. It's not, it's hard to come back from while you're trying to get in shape, while you now have to go on the road and play at Utah and Colorado, which, by the way, like, I think since Utah and Colorado were added, there's been like six times where people have swept that road trip. It's hard. You got to go play two games in three days at altitude. Yeah, that's not easy to do, especially when you consider that Tad Boyle and uh, and the other Coach K are both very good at what they do. Last one for you guys really quick. Uh, Scott Drew over bill self yes or no yeah it's tough right now yeah i mean historically no i mean bill self is uh one of the most accomplished head coaches of all time but right now uh scott drew is 1a as far as coaches for what he's done and the roster he's put together and the turnaround job that he did at baylor right now at this very moment i'm not talking about historically speaking but at this very moment uh, scott drew is the coach in college basketball. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Right for right now, historically, you know, Bill Self, you know, he's proven basically. But uh, I, I think Baylor's probably the best team in the country. Got got to be and top to bottom when you talk about firepower on offense and the way they guard defensively, and you talk about sense of urgency and how hard they play. Um, easily one of the top teams in the country, man. Yeah, um, I think. Uh, Bill Self is better X's and O's. I think that yeah. um, I would say that, uh, oh, Dan Dickow from uh, the, the Bulldog broadcast, which is on the Field of 68 Media Network. He's calling this Gonzaga-San Francisco game. I did not realize that. Anyway, I think that Scott Drew is a little bit better, better at, like, developing that culture. But you know what's crazy? Right now, Baylor has a more talented roster and is recruiting at a higher level than Kansas is. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with sanctions and people are waiting yeah, to see and all that stuff. Like, but it's still, don't, I don't want context. I'm just giving you true. facts without any that's context. Right. I don't need any context. All right. The way that we end these, uh, these shows every night is we, it's a three cheers. You toast to something that's happened. Ideally something that's happened that night, unless you're Jeff Goodman, you just want to go entirely off script. Uh, so I'm going first to you to on this one. Who is your cheers of the night? This is an easy one because he was on the show earlier and I kind of cheat when it comes to all this stuff, but Rob hey. Fennessy, he's probably, Hey, look, he's probably at Kilroy's right now. And he's probably <laughs> cheersing to somebody at this very moment. So good for him. He's done. He's dealt with a lot guys. Like I, the IU faithful, they've been hard on him and he stuck around and he's kept plugging away and plugging away and plugging away. And they carried him off the floor tonight after winning at home over Purdue that is a big-time performance by that young man. I'm happy for him more than anything. So cheers to my main man, Rob Fennessy. To you, sir. Cheers, cheers. Ashton, go ahead. 
I'm gonna go Mike Woodson, man. I'm gonna keep it in IU, but I'm gonna go Mike Woodson just because he he didn't have a lot of believers, um, especially in the beginning of the season. This was a huge win, top five win against a, a great coach as well, and uh, proven Matt Painter. So I'm gonna keep it at IU, um, but I think Mike Woodson definitely deserves it uh, with what he's what he's been able to do in such a short period of time. Cheers All to right. Mike. Cheers, Cheers uh, to Mike. Cheers to Mike Woodson. I swear if you say Vassar. I swear if you say Vassar. No, they don't play until uh, tomorrow night. We got RPI mm. on the road. RPI is first in the conference. Vassar is second. Biggest game of the year in the Liberty League coming up tomorrow night. Go Brewers. Uh, I'm going I'm going Kevin Ollie. I'm going a little bit off script. How about uh, that? Kevin wow. Ollie. I'm, cheers like to it. Kevin Ollie. Look, he did not coach in a basketball game tonight, but he did win uh, a lawsuit against the University of Connecticut that will allow him to get his $11 million. And look, I don't think that Kevin Ollie is a very good basketball coach. I think that he drove the UConn program into the ground, and Dan Hurley is the guy that's starting to pull it back up uh, and, and kind of get it back on his feet. But he was a legend when he played there. He was one of the first guys where I remember like watching him play when I was like seven years old. He coached UConn to a national title. He coached him to a national title 2014, eight years ago. He won a national title with UConn. And I always thought that it was wrong the way that UConn handled uh, that, that whole situation. Um, so cheers to Kevin Ollie. Cheers to him getting his $11 million. Uh, you better be buying the next round if I ever see you because that's a <laughs> million dollars is a lot. Hey, he's almost you- as high. Pa- he's almost as high paid as Shaden Sharp is right now. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. This has been the field of 68 after dark. We have to let Dagan go. Otherwise he is going to kill us. Producer Dagan Hughes. Thank you, Dagan. Thank you, Terrence. Thank you, Ashton. Uh, thank you, Sirius XM. Thank you. Field of 68 after dark. No, thanks. Jeff Goodman. See you guys. <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.